Does the trucking industry have a drug problem? Hi, I'm Jim Park. Some outside the trucking industry might come to that conclusion after hearing about all the recent activity on the drug testing front. FMCSA recently flipped the switch on the long-awaited drug and alcohol clearinghouse program. The agency also surprised the industry in the dying days of 2019, announcing that it would double the minimum annual percentage rate for random drug tests for commercial drivers from 25% to 50%. FMCSA said that move came in response to rising positive drug test rates. Data from the DOT Management Information System report reveals that there were 11,834 positive drug tests recorded in 2017. That's the most current year for which data is available. Marijuana accounted for 68% of the positive results, cocaine for 19%, amphetamine 13%, and opiates 2%. Still, the positive random test rates and even post-crash drug and alcohol tests remain between 1% and 2%. While some would say that's a pretty small number, others say even one positive test is too many for working truck drivers. Will stricter testing standards make it harder to recruit drivers? Will hair testing bring some consistency and accuracy to the testing process? Will the industry tolerate the hassle and added expense of the expanded tests and the clearinghouse process? Episode 3 of HDT Talks Trucking tackles those questions and others with Dave Oshecki, the President and CEO of Scopolitas Transportation Consulting. Dave and I dive into the drug testing issue right after this. This HDT Talks Trucking podcast is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. HDTX is a -a one-of-a-kind event for fleets and suppliers that opens doors to long and beneficial business relationships. Join us May 6th, 7th, and 8th in Scottsdale, Arizona for HDTX 2020. We're talking with Dave Oshecki, the president and CEO of Scopolitas Transportation Consulting. He joins us from his office this morning in Arlington, Virginia. Dave, thanks for joining us. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me. We've had, uh, we're seeing a lot of movement lately uh, in the last couple of months on the issue of drugs and truck drivers with the uh, opening of the alcohol clearinghouse. We've had calls for hair testing. We've also seen a doubling of the random drug testing rate by FMCSA. That came as a bit of a surprise to everybody just around Christmas time. Uh, the question in my mind is, do we have a drug problem in trucking? Well, it, it's, a, it's a great question. And um, the, the way I would answer that is uh, trucking is, is obviously a very large uh, industry in this country, in the U.S. and Canada and other places for that matter. But in the U.S., uh, we're, we're large. There are you know, millions of truck drivers. There are millions of uh, staff. And we're a, a ref- reflection of society. Um, and so I would answer the question, do we have a problem? Yes, I think we have a drug problem in the industry. Uh, I would also say that I, I don't think the problem is as big in trucking as it is in general society. And, and we can talk about some of the uh, the specific data points uh, that I think support that statement. But yeah, I think we have a problem, but it's a relatively small problem. A small problem that requires, you know, some concrete action to make sure that uh, those small problems don't become big problems. Correct. You bet. On that topic, there's currently some debate within the industry about the actual rate of drug use amongst truck drivers. Um, some say it's considerably higher than the number of positive pre-employment and random screening tests might indicate. Do you know of anything uh, like post-crash test results that would 
that would bear that out, that would actually indicate that uh, people who are involved in crashes or accidents are tested and have, you know, shown positive when it's all over? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I recently had a chance to take a look at the the data that uh, the federal government, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, collects and then reports on, and it's it's drug testing data, it's violation uh, information from the the DOD DOT drug test that truck drivers are given and that they take, and as it relates to you know random uh, the random violation rate versus the pre-employment or the post-crash tests that are done. Um, there is a slightly higher uh, percentage of drivers who test positive for drugs, uh, both on a pre-employment basis as well as the, the post-accident, but it's not significantly higher than random. So, so here, here are the numbers that, that are uh, fairly consistent. The, the, the random, vi- random testing violation rate is about 1%. It was a little less than 1%. Now it's you know, basically right at 1%. The pre-employment and the post-crash rates, the violation rates, are about 1.3, 1.4 consistently over the last uh, three or four years. So is there a, a, a bigger problem than what the random uh, testing violation rate might indicate? Yes, I think there is, but it's not significantly bigger or higher. Yeah, 1.2% doesn't sound like a lot in the uh, in the grand scheme of things if you look at the general population, but Certainly when, you know, the safety implications are considered that 1.2% could probably be lower. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say 1.2 or 1.3% is 1.3% too high. I mean, we, we have zero, we should have zero tolerance in the trucking industry, and I think many, many carriers do. Uh, unfortunately, there are some people with, with a problem uh, and that continue to drive, and then when they get detected, uh, you know, hopefully they get cleaned up. So it, it's a problem and it's, it's too high and we need to continue to work on it. We recently learned that FMCSA had doubled the random test rate uh, requirement from 25% of to 50% of the average number of driving positions within a carrier. Was that move based on factual evidence of an increase in actual drug use or failed tests? Or you know, what, what drove that, do you think? Yeah, it is based on on facts and, and evidence. Um, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration is required every year to do what they call an MIS, a Management Information System or Management Information Survey. Um, and what they do is they survey fleets, they randomly select DOT numbers, and when those DOT numbers are randomly selected, obviously they're uh, that's tied to a fleet. So they send a survey form to those fleets, and they issue, uh, and I don't know exactly, but it's in the neighborhood of 3,000 survey forms. And, and the, the fleets that are selected, randomly selected, are required to complete those forms and send the information back. And that information is number of tests, you know, number of driver positions, number of tests, number of uh, positive random tests. And so when, when FMCSA gets that data, they analyze it, and then they determine what the uh, positive rate or the violation rate for random testing is. And that's what then drives whether the random testing rate is at 25% of the average driver positions or 50%. Um, so they based it on data, uh, and the, the data showed that they were at 1% violation or positive rate, and that's what triggered the increase from 25 to 50%. Do you think that increase, 25 to 50%, is going to have a, a big impact on fleets? So what implications might be coming for the industry with the increased rate? Yeah, there's, there's uh, at least two implications. One is 
Um, it, it requires a doubling of the number of tests that each fleet, fleet has to give on a random basis. So it, it basically doubles the cost um, of random drug testing for fleets. So that's, that's one. Uh, and then the second one is uh, it's, it's, a, it's a time um, issue as well. In other words, it, drivers who are selected for random testing are pulled from duty, uh, you know, pulled from the road or wherever they may, may be working, and they're, they, they need to immediately get to a collection facility and so forth. So there's a, there's a productivity element to that. Now, you know, a lot of people don't like to think about productivity as it relates to, to safety and these types of things, but that's just the reality. It takes time for someone to be pulled off the road, go to the testing location, you know, pee in the cup, if you will, and then get back on the road. So there's a, there's a productivity implication. There's also a cost implication. Yeah, I guess there was a bit of eye rolling when that was announced, but um, most people would probably argue or agree at least that it's a, a positive step. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people, I, I view it as a positive step. If, um, if the, our violation rate is going up, as the FMCSA data, uh, FMCSA found through the data, then, then we, we really do need to do more to uh, reduce the problem that we have in the industry. And this is one way to do it, test more people. Uh, you know, therefore, there's a greater deterrence, uh, and of course, that's the idea to, de- to deter people. And if they are identified as being positive, then there's a process to to get them cleaned up, so it doesn't become a blacklist, if you will. Okay, there are some people out there in the industry. Uh, one certain group called the Trucking Alliance. Um, they're they're calling for hair testing to be uh, implemented and actually uh, allowed into a you know, an official drug and alcohol testing regime. Do you think that's going to go, if that passes, uh, that would go a long way to uh, reducing the number of, uh, of positive tests? Yes. Or maybe I, show up more positive tests, but get more of those drivers, keep more of those drivers off the road. That would be the whole idea behind it is to identify them. So, ergo, more positive results. Right. And, and so there's, there's multiple points in your question. One, do I, do I think it's going to happen? I do. Um, I think hair testing will become a, a reality and a part of the DOT testing program. In other words, it'll be an option. The, the sample uh, of hair versus urine will be optional for fleets at some point. It's not there yet. So it's going to take a little bit more time. But yeah, and then the second part is, absolutely, it's, it, it will have um, the effect of identifying even more drivers who are p- perhaps lifestyle drug users that, that you know, use drugs on an, on an ongoing basis and they may they may pass a, a, a urine test because they they flush their system within a matter of days, whereas the the drug stays in the hair for a longer period of time, and that's why it identifies more. Uh, there are more positive tests that identify more drug users. So um, I, I think I think it's coming. I think that's a good thing. And again, if somebody's identified as a drug user, that doesn't mean they can't ever operate. That means that they have a problem. They need to fix their address their problem. Uh, if they want to continue to operate as a CDL driver in this industry. One of the things that I I know worries some people, uh, and that's the sort of moral implications of a hair test. Um, I may be wrong on this, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but a random drug test, if you test positive in a random test, that indicates there is some prohibited substance in your system at the time of the test. Obviously, you may be, probably are impaired, you know, in some official context. But if you test positive for certain substances in a hair test, that indicates only that you've been exposed or have consumed those substances sometime in the past. 
uh, on Friday night you had a beer. That's illegal. I mean, that's legal almost everywhere if you're off duty. Uh, but if you smoke a joint on Friday night in states that that's legal, does the hair test cross the line between, uh, you know, the lifestyle issue, what's allowed and actually coming to work impaired and unable to do your job? Well, I think it's, I think it's a good point and it's an interesting question. Um, I guess I would answer it in a, in a couple of ways. Number one, I don't think this industry wants to tolerate lifestyle drug users, even if there's no impairment um, when that person takes the test. So, so the impairment is a real issue. Um, and in fact, you know, th- there's a difference, obviously, between drugs and alcohol. Um, alcohol, you do have to be, you know, there has to be that tie to uh, impairment. Drugs, generally the same. But w- the, the second way I would answer the question is, those carriers that have been using hair to test for drugs for years now, some as many as long as a decade or more, um, what they find is on a pre-employment test, if someone tests positive for hair, um, that person doesn't get hired under company policy at those at those carriers. And then what what the impact of that is is their that same carrier's random drug testing positive rate go way down. So if if we weed out the lifestyle drug users. We weed out, you know, uh, people who shouldn't be driving a truck, and ultimately the random positive rate or random violation, uh, the positive test from random testing, go way down. So I think that's a that's an outcome we all want to see, and that's a that's a positive outcome. So yes, there's a moral component to this. Yes, there's an impairment component to this. But I think the data is showing us, at least the data that I've seen. Uh, is hair tests are a good thing, particularly on pre-employment, because they weed out lifestyle drug users. Just a reminder, we're talking with Dave Oshecki, the president and CEO of Scopolitas Transportation Consulting. We're talking about drugs and drug testing and truck drivers and all the implications for safety and morality and everything else here on the uh, HDT Talks Trucking Podcast. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Dave right after this. Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange is put on by Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine and our host suppliers. Our editors have decades of experience with trucking fleets, and we've used that insight to develop an event that you'll find truly worthwhile. If you qualify, we'll bring you and a few dozen other fleet managers to a luxury resort in Scottsdale, Arizona for a jam-packed session of networking, education, and fun. It all happens in a friendly, intimate environment that lets you build relationships and bring home ideas that you can put to work, making your business more successful. Go to HeavyDutyTruckingExchange.com to learn more and to apply for your spot at HDTX 2020. Hi, I'm Jim Park. We're back. This is uh, HDT Talks Trucking. We're back with Dave Oshecki, the president and CEO of Scopolitas Transportation Consulting. We're talking about drugs and trucking, truck drivers, safety, all that fine stuff. Dave, what do you think this increased attention to drug testing, the you know increased random tests, the possibility of hair tests coming our way, do you think that's going to have any impact on trucking's ability to recruit um, you know, folks from outside the industry who, you know, may have those lifestyle issues and may not be willing to, to give them up? Do you think it's going to be a, it's going to make recruiting more challenging for us? Well, I, I think it may make recruiting slightly more challenging, uh, but let's face it. I mean, drug testing and alcohol testing has been a part of the, the trucking industry and, tra- and transportation industries in general 
from a mandated standpoint for for 25 years. So, um, you know, anybody who's considered working in the industry as a CDL driver um, knows that there is a, you know, there's generally no tolerance. There's this DOT testing program. So on the recruitment side, I don't think the 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 increase in random testing and um, and you know the the greater emphasis is going to have much of an impact. Where I think the impact is going to be is on the existing driver workforce. For those people that have a problem, they're going to they're going to get identified as as a result of this clearinghouse uh, and the increased random rate, and that may uh, affect retention of existing people. Having said that, those are not the people that we want to have in the industry if they have a problem. If they don't have a problem, we want them back. If they have a problem, you know, they, they should not be operating uh, on the public highways with the rest of the motorists. Pretty hard to argue with that. Uh, one, of the, one of the steps that the industry and the government have taken uh, to uh, expose this, get everything up on the table so we all know what side of the, the argument we're on, is the, uh, the new... A drug and alcohol clearinghouse. The industry has been calling for this for years. Uh, it went into effect, um, well, start of 2020, basically. We're, we're up and running now. It's had its challenges since it got running, but uh, they'll be worked out, uh, you know, soon enough. What do you think uh, that mechanism is going to be able to do to help try and reduce the, uh, you know, the positive test rate and, you know, drivers who somehow slip through the system? Is this going to keep them off the road? Um, it, it, it will have a, yes, it, it will help keep drivers who have a, a drug or alcohol problem off the road. It, it's intended to, and it will over time, close the loophole that, you know, some drivers have gotten through over the last 20 to 25 years under this DOT testing program. And that, that loophole is simply when somebody failed a pre-employment drug test, they forgot, air quotes, um, they, for, they forget to put that application uh, or that information on the next application for employment as a driver and that hiring company is none the wiser and and uh, and ha- you know they they just couldn't identify or know that that person ha- failed that drug test this clearinghouse will do that it'll close that loophole those people will be identified if they failed a pre-employment drug test or other type of test um, and and again then then there's a choice that that person who fails has a choice to go through the evaluation and treatment process if they want to continue to drive as a CDL driver in the future. So um, it's a good thing, the Clearinghouse. It will help identify problem drivers. It will make our industry safer. I think everybody probably gets the process, but could you give us the sort of Cook's Tour, 25 words or less, of how this process is supposed to work from sort of beginning to end? Sure. There's really two elements to the Clearinghouse. Clearing is nothing more than a national database. It's just a big database that that has really two requirements for for companies carriers one is they report any drug or alcohol violation um, into the database and then when the, the the companies are hiring a cdl driver they have to query or check the database to see if that person is qualified in other words to see if that person has a violation that's in the database and if so has that person gone through the, the evaluation and treatment process and is qualified to drive again so that those are the those. It's a big database. It's going to have violations in there, and uh, carriers have to check the database before they hire somebody as a CDL driver to make sure that that driver is qualified. It sounds like it's going to add you know, a little bit of a burden to the process for carriers and drivers. But um, is anybody you've heard complaining really about uh, doing that extra bit of work? Well, yeah. Is there are there some complaints in the industry? Yes, there are. 
Um, because speed to hire, the hiring process is important and getting, you know, if some if a company identifies a, a person as a CDL driver that they want to hire, um, the ability to hire that driver in, in a quick way is is a good thing. And this, this will slow down the hiring process to some degree, particularly, you know, early on now, there are bumps in this road. Um, but over time, those bumps will be smoothed out and the hiring process, you know, will sort of return back to normal and this process will be uh, quick. Uh, it, it takes, you know, it's taking minutes now. It may be down to just seconds in the future, at least we hope. So again, you know, there's bumps in the road, but I think everybody's, most people are going to be willing to sort of take those bumps and ultimately see the smoothing out. Well, I guess the big bump was when this thing first launched back in January. Uh, the system kept crashing. <laughs> Do you think FMCSA just wasn't prepared for the volume of inquiries, or uh, was there something sort of physically or mechanically wrong with the system they'd put in place? Uh, I, I think they underestimated the volume. I think the government um, probably could have done a better job in terms of beta testing it before it went live. Um, and I think that is one of the uh, maybe lessons learned here. And, and let's face it, FMCSA is a regulatory agency. They're a, an enforcement agency. They're not an agency that um, you know typically sets up a large database um, that the industry then has to populate. So this was relatively new for them. Um, and there are lessons learned for everyone, including FMCSA. And I and I I I point to the the the, the beta testing. It could have been beta tested longer and better um, to figure out where the snags are. Uh, I I don't think it was something, you know, technical in the system that wasn't designed properly. I think it's just a um, the, the 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 beta test would have identified, and they just didn't do that enough. Yeah, just a bump in the road, as you put it. Uh, Things are up and running now more smoothly, and you know all expectations are going forward that this is uh, this is going to work pretty well. Yep, we hope so. One of the nice things about getting to talk to a guy like you uh, is you're out there in the field, talking to the industry, talking to the players. Um, this conversation we're having is probably uh, you know happened in your office many many times in the last few months. Can you give us a sense of, of where the industry is, you know, based on the fleets that you're talking to? You know, what are their thoughts on the clearinghouse, hair testing, the rise in the uh, random testing rate, that sort of thing? Just give me a, a bird's eye view of the industry's perspective on drugs at this point. Yeah, I, I think, I think you know, the, most of the fleets that we've, we speak with and work with are happy that the clearinghouse is here. Um, they're happy that the loophole uh, will be closed over time. And that, that they're going to have better access to uh, and, you know, current access to violations. So, so that's a good thing. Yes, there's bumps, but, again, they'll be smooth. Um, again, similar with hair testing, uh, most of the fleets that we speak with uh, are looking forward to the opportunity to have hair testing as a part of the DOT-mandated program, you know, as an option, to have the hair sample as an option to do that. So they're, they're – uh, positive that is coming, a little frustrated that it's taken so long. Um, and the, the one thing I'll say on the increase in the random rate from 25 to 50 percent, um, very few people like surprises. And that was a surprise to, to all of us in the industry. So I think there was some frustration that um, trucking companies weren't given a, a longer heads up for planning and for, you know, the, the increasing cost and so forth. So a little frustration around that issue. But generally speaking, you know, again, it's Drug testing uh, and alcohol testing is a part of this industry. 
we don't want folks who have a, a problem uh, and fleets don't, and so they're, they're happy that there's a, a renewed focus uh, in this area. Okay, that pretty much wraps things up for this issue of HDT Talks Trucking. We've been talking about all things related to drugs with uh, Dave Oshecki, President and CEO of Scopalitas Transportation Consulting. Uh, he joined us today from his office in Arlington, Virginia. Dave, uh, thanks so much for your time. A really informative conversation. Thanks, Jim. I, uh, I appreciate the chance to do it, and I enjoyed it. So thanks again. HTT Talks Trucking was brought to you by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange, an intimate networking event that takes place May 6th, 7th, and 8th in Scottsdale, Arizona. Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to hear what past attendees took home from the event and to apply to be our guest at HDTX 2020. HDT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine, the Fleet Business Authority, is published by Bobbitt Business Media. Leave a web browser open to truckinginfo.com for up-to-the-minute industry news as well as feature articles, videos, photo galleries, white papers, and our ever-popular editor blogs. You can ask questions or leave comments on the HDT Talks Trucking homepage. That's truckinginfo.com slash podcasts. Please rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. It helps others to find us. Thanks to my guest, Dave Oshecki, and our sponsor, Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening. Thank you.